not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another Mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your mobile suit enthusiasts tonight, and joining me is one of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and the fan holes are exhausted. We have no soldiers left. Oh, I am so mad at you, Michael. You totally, like, went on the air and yelled and screamed about me and stuff, and now I'm going to break my cane <laughs> and start a bunch of mad, mad war shit. I'm going to find my little girly purple-haired son and tell him to kill all you earth fuckers who, like, Clearly, clearly we didn't understand each other. You yes, were like, yes. you were like, take the deal, man. Like, take the deal and swallow your pride and end the war. And I was like, no, like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> this was this was good. I like this. Well, just so people know what we're talking about, this is like hot off the press. Like, me and Mike watched it like a few minutes ago. Well, I watched it like a few minutes ago. Mike watched it like probably what, like an hour ago? Cause you yeah, like a, a couple hours ago, yeah. This yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we watched Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, Part 6, Rise of the Red Comet, which we were sort of pleased with ourselves that this, you know, obviously this was released May 5th, 2018, and this essentially concludes our coverage of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, all these kind of special movie-length episodes. I was I was totally in denial, dude. I didn't think this was going to air today because I was like, I, I, I don't know why. I was expecting, like, if I stayed up really late, like, it would show up on Hulu at, like, midnight or something. And then all I could see was, you know, the one-minute preview. And I could see they dropped, like, the quote-unquote first season, you know, like, the first five episodes that we've covered before. But they only had that that trailer so i'm like ah it's just a trailer like mike's blowing smoke up my ass this isn't going to come out to like july 13th or whatever you know because that's when the blu-ray comes out 
but yeah, it's it's out and we got to watch it today, so that was pretty. Cool. Yeah, like I, I was kind of like sketchy on it myself because I like I think I the first I, I told you guys that news maybe a month ago because I read like an article on like the anime news network where. Like, like the article, like the main thrust of the article was just kind of like, you know, you know, episode six of the origin will be screened in Japan, like in, in theaters, like, you know, May 5th and like at the very bottom of the article and like is and, and it will be on Hulu too. Like, like, we're like, that was like one sentence, like it'll be streamed on Hulu as well. Like, and I'm like, really? Okay. Like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. This is the first time they've done it on Hulu. And then I guess they have like Gundam Wing and what is it double o and like some other yeah, stuff they've got stuff a on there now yep gundam stuff there yeah. yep hmm. okay it's jl may we're covering the silver age this jl may a comic event from mark wade we're crossovering a podcast. There's 12 of us involved. Get it in your ear holes, this JL We'll tell you all, all about the Silver Age. It's not great. But it's okay We really have to warn you It has a controversial one Where Mark Miller wrote the lead But it also has some good stuff Challenges of the unknown Green Lantern Flash Patrol of Doom The annual JLMA event is upon us once more. In 2018, we're reading The Silver Age from 2001. The journey begins in the podcast Justice's First Dawn and continues in the shows Relatively Geeky, Coffee and Comics, Supermates, Waiting for Doom, Idlehead of Diablo, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, The Fire and Water Podcast. Do you know it's begins this something so 
yeah so so yeah we did watch this tonight i mean i i kind of feel like this was this was like a a, a three act structure but i i kind of feel like the climax the you know the the super awesome heavy combat like thing that makes you like you know jizz all over yourself because of all the mobile suit action and goodness like that was actually in the first act because we we finally like i i guess you know last last podcast in the last you know part five i think i was kind of complaining that we were all sort of you know we we got the blue balls because because we didn't actually see the battle of loom (laughs) but like this this first half hour like pretty much shows you the battle of loom i mean they're like we know you have the blue balls like we're gonna give you complimentary service hang on like yeah yeah it was like they, they they brought out a parade of uh of, of hotties to you know do all the mobile suit stuff but yeah like this this was this was interesting because like it, I, I guess they've shown us this a number of times it's like they at the end of episode five they showed us sort of from char's point of view him launching into you know about to launch into the battle and then i think in the very first episode of this we sort of saw it from char's point of view when he was take you know he was taking out each ship in the battle of loom but this was more almost from the the i mean not entirely but it, it seemed like it was more based on the federation's perspective where you know it's like they couldn't exactly discern what the hell was going on it was like the first time they were kind of bombarded with the whole Manofsky particle effect where they couldn't track Dozel's fleet by like traditional radar and everything like that and then before they knew it they're like wait that ship it's on fire like wait wait we lost that ship wait we lost another ship like what what's going on you know and it's like that's clearly you know, Char bouncing around and and all these different, you know, mobile suits that they're encountering for the first time. So I thought, I thought that was, that was exciting. It was well done. I don't know that they could have done, you know, the way they kind of did a lot of the camera angles where, you know, you, you kind of go overhead and underhead and it's almost like the camera's on a hula hoop or something. And is like just spinning all around the, the all kind of sides of this ship. You know, like, I, I, I think this was something that maybe they couldn't have animated, you know, way back when in 1979, but they, they certainly pulled it off today. Yeah, it's like the the weird, like the weird ass thing. It's like, like sometimes even like the, the giant like ships and stuff are doing this, this crazy, like acrobatic shit. And I was like, mm. that wasn't what they were like in like 1979. Like those like Xeon and Federation ships were kind of like plodding through space, kind of. But it's like right when like Char's like customized Musai like first launches in, in this movie, it does like a loop de loop or something mm, like yeah, right yeah, off yeah. the gate. And I was like, wow, like, okay, like, okay. if you say so, I mean, that seems a little odd to me, but I guess, you know, it makes sense. But it, it, it didn't like, I, I guess it didn't like, uh, I was like, why weren't you doing those maneuvers back in the series? But Yeah, there's 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 elements of that. Like there's kind of elements of like I guess, you know, Star Wars prequelitis or something, you know, in some stuff that that I'd bring up. I don't know that I focus too much on the stuff that certain ships could do that they couldn't do. Like maybe that's more of a, you know, kind of like a a Star Trek fandom thing where you're like looking at the the tech specs and the manuals and kind of, you know, going back to what they could do 
you know, because it's a prequel series, but since this is taking place in 2018, like, they can animate and do certain things that they probably couldn't get away with back then. So, so then it kind of entails, like, the technology in and of itself in the universe comes off a little better. But then, I guess, for me, it was interesting because you're you're seeing characters do things, I mean, as far as I know, that they haven't done before. Because one of the things I was going to ask you is, and it, it, if my memory is misleading me, you know, feel free to correct me, but Ryu Jose was just supposed to have fought in, like, I don't know, nothing, right? Like, he, he, he flew a simulator. Like, he wasn't... He wasn't battle hardened when he yeah, was on like the, he was, the white base, but yet I could in have this, sworn he was just like a cadet. Yeah, yeah, he was. He yeah. was a cadet. He and and when they asked him, "Do you have any flight experience?" I'm pretty positive he was like, "I do, but it's uh, uh, you know, it's uh, as you know, in simulation." So to me, it's like, okay, well, he played some some freaking Top Gun in the arcade, you know, but he didn't actually you know, go out and, and, and fly MIGs with Maverick, you know, like that's, yeah, that, that, that was the extent that I, I understood. Uh, yeah. It's like experience in this movie. Be, yeah. It's like, he's even got his own goose like in this yeah. movie. Yeah, he of. does. He does. And then, and then, and then they, they get, I mean, it's like they, they get smacked right into the middle of, of Dozel's fleet and all this kind of craziness. And, and by the end of it, it's it's almost like he has his own little sea book arc where like by the end of it his his little core fighter ship is you know what, what was it called like duckbill or something like it gets blown up and yeah and then and then you know they they eject or whatever I don't know I don't think his goose made it man but but he he's out there in his normal suit in space like floating around kind of like sea book at the end of F ninety one and he's kind of like I'm alive what whoa you know like but I was like. You'd think if that was your experience, then you would have more experience when you showed up on White Base than you did. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. See now, I'm now I'm picturing like Ryu, like in his bathing suit, like playing like volleyball, like on a beach with his like partner or whatever. Right, so. right. <laughs> Flying He's like, yeah. To the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I thought that was kind of odd too. Like, and I, I was like, you're kind of just made to assume he gets picked up, but they kind of just leave him in space. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess, I guess if you movie, didn't, yeah. yeah, if you didn't have the context of of either maybe the manga or the actual original series, you might wonder if you know he eventually you know runs out of oxygen and just kind of you know peacefully freezes to death. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. But yeah. Like, yeah. speaking of stuff like that, like, it occurred to me that, like, I was, like, thinking about it, and it probably should have occurred to me, like, earlier, like, probably as of, like, last episode, or even, like, earlier than that, because we see, like, Artesia, like, she's, like, had medical experience. I'm like, but she she was never really a doctor or anything in the series. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, and you think. Yeah. Like, she would, you know, they would do something, like, she was, like, the comms, like, and then later she becomes a pilot. Yeah. But, it, like, I, I was kind of like, you know what? Like, she never really, like, put any of those skills to use in the series, like. I wonder, I wonder if, if, I mean, because, because obviously we're saying things, certain things with certain characters have changed. I mean, 
you know, not, not to spoil and jump to the end, but, you know, your boy Bright has a totally different outfit by the end of the series, like, you know, so it's like, I'm kind of sitting there going, well, I wonder if this has, you know, obviously this has, like, sort of elements of, you know, avermization, I guess, where it's like, you know, the the origin universe is in the Kelvin timeline or something, where things are just a little tweaked, and maybe in this timeline, you know, instead of just being the, the board operator and the core fighter pilot, like, maybe maybe she does tend to people's medical emergencies or something, you know, like if they, if they go on to make a sort of updated series post, you know, these, these, you know, yeah. Length like movies a, and stuff. I mean, I don't think like, if I remember, like I haven't read the origin comic that tells like the actual events of the series in a while, but like, if, if I recall correctly, like it doesn't like vary like that much. Like, right, right. I mean, it does give Sela a bigger role, but it's mostly like focusing on her like heritage and stuff. Mm. And like, she gets to like, especially towards the end where she gets to like reveal that she's like Artesia to a bunch of like Xeon soldiers and they're all like, hey, it's like Artesia. Let's follow her instead and stuff. And like, I don't know, like it, it, she plays a bigger part in the final battle. But other than that, yeah, I don't. she doesn't like, you know, none of those medical skills really come into play again. I, I did think of all the, the people I was the most critical of, the, of the character that I like, which was Dozel Zabi. Like, I, I kind of felt like they finally sort of nailed the, the surfboard writing with his it's like his seriousness and then the the semi goofiness like because it's like they kind of cleaned up most of the goofiness like at, at the most extreme like the the most he came off as goofy was when he, he you know he was kind of doing the 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 tears that were being suspended by the, the semi you know loose gravity or whatever while he's like screaming about you know his fallen comrades and everything like that and it's like that that could have devolved into some of the the earlier films where i thought it kind of turned into slapsticky stuff when it shouldn't have been slapsticky but like i i kind of thought this this one worked for me i guess like i i never felt like he he went over that line for me but i don't know about you like what did you think of of dozel's in this yeah like i agree with you and then he's got that scene where Garma's like begging him to yeah, like you know yeah. put me on the front line and like you know Zena kind of gives him that look where it's and he's kind of like okay like baby brother like you know I'll, I'll try and do something for for you but you know but don't blame me if it you know if it doesn't like get get pulled off but you know you know yeah. how like you know how like Maneva like gets like all upset and like kind of like hides in her mom's like bosom or whatever because because garma's getting more yeah. upset as he's explaining the scenario basically like he's he's kind of butthurt that like char moved up two ranks after the battle of loom and he doesn't want to just be handed a rank because of his dynasty you know the family dynasty he he, he you know, he's like i i need to earn it you know and and, and he's kind of you know sort of crying to his older brother about how to get that accomplished. But like, as he kind of gets more and more heated when he's explaining it, you know, Maneva kind of, you know, the, the baby basically like is getting a little upset. And I, I almost thought at one point, like he, he kind of backs down and I, I was, I so thought he was going to apologize for like freaking out the baby, but instead he's like, I just, you know, I I don't want to be left behind. And then he starts crying about himself. And I'm like, 
All you care about is yourself, Garma. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, yeah, like, I, I, for some reason, like, Garma, Garma was the one I felt like that seemed off in this episode, mm, if okay. it was anyone, because... Like, it, it kind of, like, you know, it, the way they do it, it's like he he kind of gets put in charge of this, like, mop-up operation, which was probably just, like, killing off all these stragglers and stuff or whatever, and, like, something yeah. that was probably easy, and, you know, he had an overwhelming force against a minimal enemy and stuff, and he's all kind of proud of that. But I don't know, like, I, like when you, intro, you get introduced to Garma in the series, like, there's still that element that, you know, obviously that Char, like is better than him, but, like, I don't know, in the series, I feel like there, Char is, I don't know, how nicer to him, maybe, or, or like, not as, like, passive-aggressive to him, and, like, there's, in, in, in return, Garma is not as, like, whiny to Char. Yeah. I, I don't know what it yeah. is. Like, yeah, no, no, but, no, like, no, I, I, I sort of get what you're saying, because it, it's weird, because I, I watched the dub, and then I watched the Japanese language before we got on the air, and, like, you know that sequence where they're, like basically Garma saying, Hey bro, I got like promoted. I'm a major now and I'm going to be, you know, doing the job that you said he was going to do. And, and Char is basically like, well, isn't that a bit dangerous? You know, and he's kind of, like you said, I mean, there's, there's an air of patronization about it. And, and that just irritates Garma all the more. And like, he really does snap like where he's like, you know, he brings up Degrin Zavi and he brings up, dozel and he's like and garment just kind of snaps and it's like it doesn't matter about them like i earned this myself <laughs> like he, he totally like kind of explodes on him and everything like that and what's funny is like the the girly crowd in the background like that probably think garma and char are both dreamy like they're kind of watching this with sort of like bated breath which looks kind of goofy to me and then the other thing that was kind of weird about that is i think in the dub Garma's I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like Garma loses that fight in the dub, but in the Japanese language, they still came off as equals to me. And like I guess the reason why I say that is Garma in the dub says something to the effect of, Well, remember, Char, like you and I we're not kids anymore. And like I think in the Japanese language, he's basically defending himself. Like, he already acknowledges that, like, Char's a man because he's done the Battle of Loom and, like, taken out four ships and everybody quakes in their boots when they hear the, the nickname the Red Comet. Like, I think he's already come to terms with that in the Japanese language because he says, I'm not a kid anymore, Char. Like, and you'd do best to remember that kind of thing. Like, and then, and then when they both kind of are eyeing each other in that party, you know, I guess what I was calling like the, the red carpet Char sequence, you know, cause they're like all doing like this victory celebration. Like they're coming back to like, I don't know, like a Hollywood premiere. Cause there's like all these red carpets and it's like the, the black tri-stars are walking and getting plaudits and, you know, Admiral Dozel Zobby's walking and getting his plaudits. And then, of course, when the fangirls really start screaming is when Char Asnoble, like, walks down the red carpet and stuff. But, like, that's where this is all going down at. And I just kind of thought that Garma came off better in the the Japanese language than he did yeah. in the dub. You no, know what? Like, like I, I didn't actually like. I watched the dub and then I kind of went back and watched like certain scenes subbed. I didn't, I didn't watch that one sub. But you know what? The dub version 
even though like the circumstances are drastically different, like I guess the power structure is the same. The dub version reminded me of that scene in Spider-Man two when Peter and Harry like have that argument in the, at, like the, the party. I, I forgot what the party was about, but whatever. But like Harry's like drunk and Pete, like accusing Peter of like betraying him and stuff. Like, I don't know that like that I kind of like the circumstances are totally different, but I just kind of got that vibe because like, you know, Harry and Garma are kind of like the spoiled, mm. like rich kids and like Peter and Char are like the guys who like actually like put in the work and, you know, are actually like the badass ones. And, you know, but like I, I just kind of got that like that reminded me of that scene. Now I'm like, I'm never going to be able to think of Garma without thinking of drunk Garma. Now. <laughs> drunk Garma. Drunk yeah. Garma. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in charge. Like, I, I did it myself. See, like, what you said about, like, the sub, like, the Japanese version, like, I bet that doesn't come off that way, like, in the Japanese yeah, version. But, like, I mean, I mean since... he, he's still, he's still upset. But, like I said, it, it seems like he's, he's using a singular instead of a plural. And it just, it, it just makes him come off better somehow. Like, I, 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 I think because yeah. he's, he's, He's already acknowledged that Char has advanced him, and he's just letting him know, look, I, you know, don't, don't count me out just yet, man. Like, I, I too am, you know, growing up, and, and, and I will get my own plaudits and that kind of thing. So, like, I was kind of like, okay, like, I, I kind of, I don't know, I took that scene a little better than, than I did in the dub, I think. Yeah. No, I definitely, I agree with you. I think it's because, like, like he was holding a drink, and, and like, the dub kind of plays him off as kind of, like, emotionally distressed, like, in that scene. Like, well, it's, in... it's, it, it's interesting, too, because I think even in, even in the Battle of Loom, like, he's basically at the knee, I mean, not literally, but he's kind of, like, figuratively at the knee of Degwin Zabi, and, like, he's watching the fight and that's kind of what his problem is. He's like, Oh, I've just sat back and watched these battles, but I haven't actually engaged and, and, and made a name for myself in the battles like Char has, you know, like the black tri-stars have like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think even when he's sitting there with his father, like it, it's interesting because I think in the dub, he actually says like, you're still a child. And I, I forget exactly how he puts it in the Japanese language, but the way they translated it was not they, he doesn't call him a child and he but he says something to the effect of you're not ready yet, but he almost says like pardon me, excuse me for saying that. What I mean to say is you're immature, but but with the notion that like the tone is like you you will mature. You will understand and appreciate the horrors of war, but at this right at this moment in time, you're immature and you don't and not immature in a like way, but like you 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 just haven't gained that maturity and that kind of streetwise or or world weariness like you haven't or or, or maybe not weary but you know like worldly learned you know like that kind of thing like you haven't quite matured into that yet but that's it's interesting because there you you can take things just a little differently just based on how they sort of tweak the language and everything yeah definitely i really love that scene where 
and I remember liking it when I read it in the manga when Char boards the Fetty ship in like Zeon territory. Okay. And like okay. when he like kind of is like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? And then like, you know, it's they're smuggling like General Revel out, like as we learn, like at the behest of like Degwin Zabi, because they made this like backroom deal where, you know, Degwin assumed that Revel would just like, you know, advise the Federation to surrender and there would be no more bloodshed or whatever. But instead, you know, Revel eventually turns that around. But like, I, I just like that confrontation because Shar is like, oh, I didn't realize a character with like equal to or greater than fan aura that to me is like on this ship. Like, and he kind of, you know, he salutes the Admiral and he's like, you know, I'll let you guys be on your way. Like Dren, like the guy they he put in charge of his own like personal ship is kind of like, should we just let them go? And Shar's kind of like, yeah, like that could have been a disaster. Like I kind of, I almost just ruined like a, a really like excellent, like piece of a political chess or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I, that, I thought that was a really badass scene. Well, it's cool. Also, it's cool that he can recognize that, even though he's not really in on the the gag, so to speak. Yeah, like so that that that's kind of speaks highly to his his intelligence and and his perception of the board. You know, like because he can he can come look at a board that he's not playing chess on and go, oh. Oh, if I had come in and whispered in this guy's ear, I would have fucked up your chest move. Never mind. Like, just carry on. Ignore yeah. me. Like, yeah. can't continue your chess game. Like, I'll, I'll be over here. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, that is it, that is a super cool sequence and, and everything. He's just yeah, and it, like his fan aura is on like full display. Like, walks onto that like Fetty like ship on the bridge and like all the officers on the bridge are like quaking in their boots. Like he's like freaking Darth Vader or whatever. Is it, is it fair to say that the machinations in the second act are fairly complex if you're not paying attention to them? Cause like you've already gone into sort of the, the Admiral Revel and, and Degwin Zabi kind of, machinations but even within those machinations you've got Girin who's planning on extending the war and what like having Admiral Revel released fits into his plans as well so it's like it, it's weird because Cassilia says she's helping Girin and Cassilia says she's helping Degwin, but I, I feel like ultimately, she, you know, yeah, she's ultimately helping herself, but I, I feel like she actually actively is assisting with Giren's machinations more than Degwin's machinations, because it, it's almost like he gets bamboozled, because his whole thing is like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll come to the peace table, and yeah, we had to do this horrible thing, we dropped the colony on their ass, and and we had this big horrific battle and lost a bunch of lives at the Battle of Loom, but that will get them to the table. Once we get them to the table, then they'll respect and you know, it's kinda like I think he was thinking, Oh, we'll punch the bully in the nose and then they'll walk away and leave us alone. But I think what ends up happening is and I'm totally simplifying the machinations by saying it's like punching a bully in the nose, but I, I think it's like he he thought okay they punched a bully in the nose and then and then that'd be the end of it whereas i think what actually happened is after they punched the bully in the nose it's like 
his family basically whispered to other people in the bully's ear going, dude, you going to let that guy punch you in the nose like that? You're a pussy bitch if you let him do that. And it's like, not only are we going to like release you from jail and like uh, clean up your bloody nose and give you a mirror and show you what a doofus you look like, but like we're going to send you back to tell all your bully friends on live TV, like, what a bunch of douchebags, like, the guy who punched you in the face and his whole, like, country are. And then it turns into, the, like, a, basically it just, it, it fits into their plans because they're like, we, we don't want this altercation to end. We want it to continue because it fits into our agenda. And so, like, that's, to me, I kind of wondered if, like, just ex exactly what did Degwin, like, did Degwin have plans to free Revel, but they weren't exactly adhered to? Or was it that Cassilia freed Degwin completely of her own accord, because that was her agent that let him out and all that other stuff? But it's like, you're like, was she acting on behalf of Degwin, but really acting on behalf of Girin? Like, that that's, I guess that's what I mean by saying, like, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of complication to yeah. to the 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 political intrigue that takes place in the second act, and it's it's fairly well done. I mean, it's 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 very good. I think all the characters are in in those bits are pretty much fully realized. I mean, you, you know, in the regular series, they all are kind of you know backstabbing and and kind of all have their own individual agendas within the larger tapestry that is the. I guess the the Zeon cause or the Zeon movement and everything, and they even do a pretty good job of introducing Makube into that too, where he's you know he he's there kind of I I kind of liked all the sequences where it's like I guess for us it'd be like you know stumbling into a museum and some guy goes dude we totally got like the first copy of Action Comics number one look at that and and we're just kind of like um that's kind of a fake that's a Treasury edition and somebody <laughs> like ripped off the cover and it's coverless and you think it's the first issue of action comics but in reality the real size of action comics would be a regular comic book not a treasury size and like he's just going it's into like, like look, all these details at, it's like look at look at the back in the upc it says toys r us exclusive on the back <laughs> and this is like yeah, a like, like you, you see that seventh or eighth generation reprint you, yeah. you see that sign that says not for sale those comics came in the back of Toy boxes and they're not the official first prints so that's not the first appearance and like yeah so he was he was and and the the it's like every time the guy tried to show him something new it's like he would sort of get pwned and he, his reactions were always pretty humorous where he's just like oh like yeah. but yeah that's when i guess Cassilia kind of clues him in like it's like yeah you're gonna go down there as a peace envoy but there's not going to be any peace. Like, you're actually yeah. going to be the one, you know, leading the charge, yeah. you know? Well, it's like, the way I understood it is that Degwin w wanted to have Revel released and then have him go back to the Federation, tell them, like, sign these peace agreements and we'll put a quick end to, like, all this bloodshed and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get what we want. You guys won't lose any more life. It'll be all cool, like, in, in the school. Degwin left the like arrangements up to Cassilia, who said, you know, don't worry, father, I'm in your corner. But Cassilia's men, yeah, like kind of, I, I don't know how she orchestrated it, but it seems like 
they gave Revel a different kind of idea or Revel kind of went off script and she, yeah, she ended up kind of uh, pushing like Garen's like desires more than Degwin's. Yeah, that's that that seems to make the most sense because it's like that. It's like a game of telephone, and it's like it got messed up. You know, the the communiques somewhere along the way. Like everybody, everybody was trying to speak clever, clever speak without like actually actively saying things out loud, and then it ended up being mistranslated because people were so, they were so fucking clever that they didn't communicate what they really wanted to communicate. Yeah. You know, know what I wanted to say and I was like happy about, and I I guess, remember when we talked about the very first episode when they kind of showed part of the Battle of Loon yeah, from yeah. like Char's perspective? I told you like, I was like, I don't get it. Like the, the black tri-stars totally destroy the flagship of the Federation. Like I thought they were supposed to like capture general rebel. What's like, they finally, like they, they reshow that scene, but then they're like, no, see, like general rebel got on a, like a escape ship and then they, uh, an escape ship. And then they captured him. Like, you know, like, so I, I was like, Oh good. Like I, I like I, I, th- I knew I wasn't going crazy there. Like I knew that I, was something that had to happen. Yeah. So. I, I thought that that the the Battle of Loom and most of the political machinations lined up with things we were told as far as the original television series backstory. The only stuff that started feeling like sort of I don't know prequelitis-y to me, like like the the you know the, the the episode one two three prequels to me like where i started going oh what are metachlorines amaro you know like that kind of thing is like once it got to the third act and you started dealing with like because it's like amaro like goes to the base and then he meets like i think one of the gundam pilots or whatever and and then the guy like tells him off and like then when he goes back to his house, like all the data that he'd been working on and secret is like ransacked and everything. So like, I I don't know what to think about that exactly. Like, like we were already kind of weirded out that he had so much more advanced knowledge about the Gundam. And it's like, some of that I guess is supposed to be like to, I don't know, circumvent the criticism that like, Oh, he's just a, you know, a teenager, like, what? why does he know about this? He just read the manual? Like, that's kind of dumb. And it's supposed to be, like, this explanation of, well, he's really been secretly working with it for the last year, and that's why he picks up on things so quickly. But, I, I, I don't know, I was just kind of like, how much did did Tem Ray have to do with the Gundam, and how much did Amuro have to do with the Gundam now? Like, I, I feel like that, that kind of got muddied yeah. the water for me. Like, and- yeah. In the first episode of Gundam, like, there's no indication that Amuro has even heard the word right, Gundam, right. like, like until, like, he opens that manual and he sees, like, the mobile suit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's dicey, like, at best. And, you know, another thing along those lines, it's like, like, I got the impression from the first episode that, like, Amuro, like, Hayato, and, like, Frau were all, like, neighbors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I never got the impression they knew Kai, and I certainly never got the impression that Frau knew Kika, Let's, and Cats before that. Like, like, it kind of felt like she just, they were just three random kids she, like, gathered up, and she said, because she says, like, oh, we'll find your parents, like, in, in the early episodes of the series, and, like, I didn't think she knew them before this. Yeah, and it's weird that they're, like, I mean, I get it, it's, like, this weird, like, 
Gotham-y fan service-y thing where they 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 felt like they had to put them there. But I I see what you're saying too. It's like why were they configured that way? Like they they ultimately were configured as that trio because of the events of the war. But like it's not there yet, and like. I don't know. It was, it, that was that. That was. It's the, like what? What are they? The only three kids on, on, that, on colony? that whole colony? Like, <laughs> yeah, and like, I yeah, I don't know. Like, like some of that stuff like felt kind of forced to me. Like, and that's that's what I mean by like prequelitis, where it's just like, I don't know that those sequences lined up for me very well. Like, even yeah. even when and, uh, like another yeah. like in in that. Oh, sorry. No, go no, ahead. No, no. Like, it, I mean, I I guess I I kind of agree with you about Kai. Like, because I think we've we've both agreed that like Kai ha- hasn't really come off as the character he he supposedly would end up being on the TV series, and so like those sequences come off strange to me. Yeah, like uh, I was gonna say about Kai, it's like I don't know, like uh, the like the first half of the series i feel like kai is towards amuro like what's so special about you dude like why you get like special treatment like you know anything you can do like i can i can i I can do your stuff too like you know and i i'm not gonna i I don't know kai's like a lot more abrasive but in this like it kind of like the look he gives amuro when he's walking off and then when he stops like amuro when he's driving in the car he's like you know what's what's your father up to is what what what, what's 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 your father like doing in regards to the war and stuff like i don't know like it it seems like he thinks amuro is like special like already like or or he's like keeping an eye on there's there's like an air of danger about it like that he's there's a twinge of fear you know like because even in that sequence with the car it's almost like he's like get off the road you could get run over you know like it's almost like i will run you over if you don't get off the road yeah i mean like i i do like kai but i just feel like he like i said i think i said in the last review we did like i never saw kai as being a sort of like flash thompson type Mm -hmm. or whatever where you know, he has a gang of cronies, and I, I don't, like, I didn't even think he knew Amaro and the rest before, like, they all were on the white base together. Yeah. I I mean, some of the stuff with, with Mirai, I think, is okay, but then some of it I was thinking of, in, like, in the long run, where it's like, she wasn't, like, super keen on being matched up with what's his face but yet she's blushing about it in this like i I don't know like some some stuff like that just didn't didn't seem to line up for me and then i think the the one thing i was wondering about is if like maybe justin would have been like happy to see uh frau Bo like splashing around in a in a bathing suit or whatever you know because i was like i was like oh like this it it, it was it was a weird thing because it's like oh like so these dudes aren't gonna all rush into a pool with like a bow in a in a in a bathing suit and then it's like i guess i kind of get it because she is i mean she is kind of the the nag of that show so and and she's not quite a woman per se you know like yet so it's like it's like it's it's almost that thing of like there's this gawky awkward girl that's like come on play with us and then meanwhile there are these three random kids so like i could almost kind of get it like uh, if i was amara i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about woman like i don't even have a bathing suit like why would i get in the water (laughs) with you you know and meanwhile then poor hayato gets like dragged in even though he doesn't have a bathing suit so it's like i don't know like some of that stuff was just uh, i i don't know it, 
it didn't quite. I was like, when when those kids were like dragging Hayato, I was like, what good is your judo now, Hayato? <laughs> like, uh, you can't even beat up three kids with it. Like, uh, that's funny. It's like that would have been a perfect opportunity to like impress Fraubo, like you know, knock all those kids out of the way. But nope. It's like, your judo has failed this colony. But yeah, other than that, though, I, I really did kind of like that segment, like sequence where, you know, it, it kind of introduces all the main cast again. And then it kind of says, like, it, it gives them, like, all these, like, subtitles. And it's like, like, this guy goes on to do I kinda, this. I kind of felt like so that was, like, the Fast Times at Ridgemont High sequence for, like, the original cast. <laughs> where it's just like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, this is what happened to... to Kai Sheeton, and this is this is the duty that Frau Bo served. And oh yeah, Sailor's on a on a airplane, and she's about to like land in the colony. And this is this is what she went on to do. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it would have been funny if they cut to like Ryu floating in space or something. It's like, don't worry, Ryu doesn't die here, but he will die eventually. <laughs> 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 that might have been i mean at least a little nod to that guy might have offered some clarity for people who don't have all the frame of reference i suppose what did you think about all the the blue federation outfits is that just like a thing to distinguish it if they end up making like a new show like to like sort of say hey this is this is like the blue jacket lupon not the yeah, the green jacket I don't know what I, I don't know what that was that was about really. Like I don't know if that was like some kind of visual retconning or I don't know. I'm sure there's some like you know crazy reason for it or maybe they just wanted to Star Trek the motion picture it kind of where it's like you know we all got new uniforms now or whatever. But it's like it's like they they endless waltzed it like where they're like they were always yeah, wearing we've... the blue uniform. <laughs> we've always had the blue uniforms. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I think it, it was it was kind of neat, like you know they had the after credit scene and yeah, it's kind of you see kind of see Captain Pablo and Bright and they're all like optimistic and you know bushy eyed and bright yeah you know, bu bushy eyed and bright tailed you know like Bright's like I'll go you know Engineer Tem Ray is on board like I'll go get him sir like good like I think the future's looking bright bright you know <laughs> like but. I, I did think it was super badass, like, the very end, where, like, the narration says, like, and now, like, Gundam begins, and the narrator goes, who will survive? Yeah, that, that was pretty like, dope. That was pretty awesome. Like, you know, Gundam will return. But yeah, like, I mean, despite our criticisms, like, I, I really enjoyed this Yeah, episode. yeah, I think, like, I think this, I, I, I kind of think, like, if, if, if the train tracks did get off a little for me with the fifth episode, with the the aforementioned kind of blue balls and, and maybe delving a little too far away from Char's story. Like I felt like this course corrected because this had plenty of Char in it for, for my taste. And like, I felt like it, it still addressed Char and Sela who I felt like this was supposed to be their complete story. So I didn't mind seeing, you know, a third act where it followed up with all the white base crew, but I liked that, the majority of the first two acts still heavily focused on Char. 
Yeah, like Char is always like somewhere in the focus in all six episodes, I think. But I think, yeah, like like we we've said in like I think it's like episode four or something. Like Sayla kind of loses focus at some points. Like I think is it episode four? She's only like in one scene and then like that's it. Like I, I think it, it's that one. Either three or four. Yeah, it's but, one of those episodes. Yeah. yeah. Like she, she kind of got her own like badass scene in this episode where like those punks like hassle her on the on the shuttle, and she's kind of like you know she gives them the char or the zoom daikum glare or whatever, and they kind of like slink away. Like, those those like, guys, she's those like, guys were coming in from the the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns colony or whatever, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, they had the like weird punk mohawks yeah. and stuff like baby you know you party like, like balls nasty she don't shiv man <laughs> sailor don't shiv they do like that revel speech is i guess like kind of infamous and like the novelization of gundam which does tell like a slightly different story but basically has like you know tomino's main beats in it like it actually like you have that entire speech like written out over the course of like three pages and you know it's it's pretty much you know exactly what we heard of it in this movie where it's like you know i've been in the enemy homeland and like you know they're exhausted they were as exhausted by that battle as we were and like so we can't like surrender now because you know they're they're whatever their superiority is a front and we'll we're we're gonna come back and we're gonna kick their asses so you know what i did want to mention and i i made it my avatar for that reason is like revel like his dub voice actor like i i think he was like a notch of energy like too low like like because in some scenes it kind of sounded like he was like falling asleep or something where <laughs> he was he's he, like he was our, pulling a, a modern day harris ford or something yeah he was just like when he's talking with degwin and like degwin gets finished saying something and he was like I, I forgot what he's like but he, he says exactly but he's kind of like like you have articulated your thoughts very clearly and i agree with them like good show like <laughs> like <laughs> he was like yeah but and like even even when he's uh in the middle of battle, maybe maybe it's in Japanese. It's supposed to convey a sense of like utter calm or whatever. But he's kind of like you know when the Z the Zeon begin their like mobile suit counterattack, he's kind of like you know the Zeon are to be feared yeah, yeah. and stuff. It's kind of it's almost like in the English dub, it's like he says it so like softly. It's like almost under his breath. But like in the Japanese dub, it, it's probably more like out like a out loud like curse like you know. But but yeah, you know, what what did you think of like the dub? Like you know, as far as you know, mo most most of the people are like the same. People, yeah, I mean but... we've we've heard I think the majority of dub actors before, so I was used to most of them. I mean, there you know, obviously Makuve was new. I think this was the first time we really heard Revel speaking very much in this series. So like those are good characters to kind of isolate and take a look at. But I mean, I wasn't. I I don't think I had any moments where I was like, that's not so-and-so, like, where I was, like, all, like, butthurt over the, I guess, the, the acting choices that they made, or the, the, the voice choices that they made for those characters and everything. Like, I was, I was pretty much content with, with what, what was going down there. Like, I don't, I don't have I didn't, complaint. I didn't look it up, and I don't know if you did, but maybe my ears are getting worse or whatever, but was that Steve Bloom voicing that federation officer that he that like interrogates amaro uh i don't 
Like I, I didn't. I tried to look it up, hmm. but I don't think they have a complete cast list for this episode. I don't know. Yeah, I, so. I don't think. I mean, maybe I. I didn't notice it. Like I. I just kind of. I, like it, it, it sounded a little like him, but like I kept like kind of like listening closely, and I'm like maybe that isn't him. Maybe it's just some sound alike mm-hmm. guy. But I just thought it would be funny since like you know he started right, off right, like his yeah. career like voicing like Char, Me, so Sha. you know Cha, yeah. And then you've got I think Wendy Lee voices Cassilia in this. Mm-hmm. I think okay. so. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I guess but, you I guess know you got some... possible, but yeah. Yeah. But I'll have to double check on that. But like I thought it sounded like him, but maybe it was just some dude who, you know, some newbie who sounded who was like Steve Bloom is the bomb, and I'm gonna, you know, voice this guy just like Steve Bloom would. Whatever I don't know. Yeah, like I I mean I like the dub and like I I think we we said it in past episodes, but you know, Shuichi Ikeda, I mean he's great, but like yeah, he's... he shouldn't really be voicing Char anymore. It's... Like as yeah, like... I, I I feel like that that's like not anything to just throw the tomato at him for. You know, I I feel like a lot of a lot of properties tend to do that where I'm like okay like. That, you know that the, they had their time in the sun and then they're trying to come back to it and it's like it just it doesn't look right it doesn't feel right you know like that kind of thing where it's like you can't you know there's there's certain things you can't go home again to and it's like i i i totally can see what you're saying because every time he has a conversation with garma it's like oh i can just hear old man voice coming out of this young virile 25 year old like you know sort of go-getter you know i'm just like it just doesn't it doesn't compute you know it's like yeah and i mean like toru uh furuya i mean he i think he does a little better job with amuro but like still like you can hear the age like in their voices so like but yeah yeah i mean other than that I, i i don't have any complaints about like you know the japanese cast or anything so and I, I like I said, I think I said again in another episode, like I I love Keith Silverstein's like voice for yeah, Char. Yeah, like I think good. he kind of he kind of merges like the ocean group like voice with like the Japanese voice. So like I like I, I do like his his take on that character. Yeah, for sure. And it's like there, there's some cool bits like here where you, you know, you, you find out how he hooks up with dren on on his ship and everything and you can see why there's a, a degree of loyalty between dren and and char and everything because he kind of makes him the acting captain you know in that sequence you talked about before where you know the char goes on board the federation ship and, and meets you know the admiral and everything so like that's those those were moments i thought that were to me, it seemed like they lined up well, as opposed to feeling kind of shoehorned in or forced, you know, like, I, I kind of think other than, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, like, so a lot of that stuff on the colony, you know, the side seven or whatever, like, felt kind of off to me for whatever reason yeah well it's it's kind of like they had to like find something to do with those characters because yeah, they yeah. were like, well it's and like that's probably why it feels off because they're like before that it's like what was like the most exciting thing in amuro's life it was like probably like winning whatever doing those mecha competitions right, right. or 
whatever they kind of mentioned in the first episode where I think like it's Hayato who's like, you know, Amaro's like this mecha enthusiast or whatever. So like, Frau Bo made me a grilled cheese in her bikini. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed this. Like I, I still really love the music in this and I kind of like the uh, more faster paced version of like what I call like Char's okay. theme. When he's like in battle, like where you know, and it's like in the last episode in this episode when he's in like in his Zaku, like they they play that same like piece of music, but it's like a sped up like more action packed version. So like I I really like that that piece of music, and then I really liked the the music when they were doing like you said that the scene at the end where the fast times at Ridgemont High scene kind of where. I don't know. It's it's a weird like uplifting piece of music, but like you know, like like tragedy is in the like forecast for like most of these characters. It's but, it's, it's you know, weird it's kinda... like having foreknowledge and then having lots of foreknowledge because it, it's kind of like that joke you made about Ryu, where you're like you're like oh if they did the title card for him, it'd be like guess what he's not dead dot 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 yet. You know, it's like that that kind of thing. And like the other thing I thought of is like. Okay, so they're telling us what they go on to do on white base, but like I was kind of like, oh, they should have like another like title card for for Kai Shin, where it's like, and then he becomes a cool, smooth James Bond ladies man in a white suit and like you know makes all the ladies swoon in Zeta Gundam, you know, or whatever, like stuff like that. But they're they're not going to go that far because there's no reason to. But I don't know, there there was that in the back of my head too when when those uh, fast times, you know, like where are they now, like title cards we're playing and the other thing i wanted to like ask you i guess is what like there's no like confirmation about like what they're gonna do with the origin as a property after this like i almost feel like they'll give it a rest for a year because they've already got some like other animated product projects lined up now but what would you think if they like started doing like more movies, but like condensing like the series into movies again, like but doing like the origin versions of the events? I mean, I'd I'd be into it. I mean, I I I don't have very you know, I mean, I've enjoyed this, and if it's if it's to this level of quality, like I I'd say go for it. I mean, I think the only thing I'd yeah. be going for is you know I'd probably like you know ship Amaro and. Sela and and like because I like that little piece of art where they're like making out in the back of the hangar with the Gundam off to the side or whatever. So I was like, uh, get me get me a few scenes like that in there, and then and then do whatever you want, like because then I I kind of be into that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they could try to incorporate more of the the Tamino novel stuff into into it as well, right? Yeah. I would love like I like speaking of that like a, my my suggestion was was like I would love them to adapt the novel like into an animated like either movie or series of movies or whatever like I, I don't like I think the events are different enough like like that like you know people like you like who haven't read the novel like probably would be like very you know interested and into it to see how like things play out like that way. Like in like the like I like the origins version of events, but like the novel is like like different enough. Like the origins versions of events are basically the series with some whistles and bells, basically. But you know the the novel is goes in a completely different direction. So yeah, 
I mean, you could have like those those non-colored mobile suits and that kind of whole deal. Yeah, like the the gray yeah. upgraded yeah. Gundam. Yeah, like and and like you know at the end like you know Amuro, like Amuro dies at the end of the novel, so it's like you know and it's kind of like like Zeon almost wins like at the end of the novel, so. Like, I, I don't, there's a ton, like, we could do a whole nother, I think I suggested it to Justin once that we talk yeah, about yeah. the novel, but we'll have to get that, like, discussion okay. back on track eventually. That's, yeah, like, because I, I, the novel is, like, super, like, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we should totally do that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I have too much else to say as far as final thoughts other than, you know, I enjoyed it, I'm glad we, we got to see all six episodes and that it's wrapped up, and you know, for the most part, I, I, I'd say my, my only takeaway is I, I think the first two acts are pretty solid. And then the third act is like, well, you know, have fun with it, but don't don't take it too seriously. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not there's nothing that like there's there's really odd stuff in this series, like and this this particular version of the backstory that like makes me like arch an eyebrow like but beyond the like, you know, stuff you said that doesn't that feels off or doesn't line up with what you know of the series, but there's stuff like, you know, Char's Hamlet evil twin or whatever. And like stuff like that, that kind of makes me go like, okay, like calm down. But you know, other than that, I mean, I still, it's not like the star Wars prequels where I just kind of felt embarrassed and bad for the property. It's just, it's just kind of an oddity where I'm like, you know, it's like, it's interesting that you kind of went that direction, but but yeah, like I, I enjoyed watching these, the the music, the animation, like the voice acting, like aside from what we've said, like, I mean, it's it's all pretty quality yeah, no matter yeah, what. Sure, so. sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin episode six, Rise of the Red Comet. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our discussion on this episode. If you've enjoyed listening to Mobile Suit Mondays, we hope you consider checking out all of our various shows on the Fanholes Podcast Network. We've got all kinds of shows. In addition to Mobile Suit Mondays, we've got Transformers Tuesdays, where we talk about Transformers all the time, every time. We've got Toku Thursdays. We've got Sentai Saturdays. We've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. We've got Comics Motherfucker. Do you read them? Where we discuss comic books. And we've got Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. So if you've liked listening to this show, uh, please consider checking out any of the other shows. We, of course, appreciate all the likes, feedback, shares, retweets, hearts, etc. that we receive. And we can be accessed on iTunes and streamed on Stitcher Radio and if you want to get in contact with us you can send us some angry angry email at fanholespodcast at gmail.com and check out all the backlog of the various shows and episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com so until the next time this is going to be Derek Derek WC rocketing off Hey, it's Mike, and I can assure you, this next act, there will be no God. Even though he said, even though he said at the end of last episode, like, I will make God, like, kneel before me. Sarudaro, 
so you were right. It did come on. <laughs> yeah. It's like I saw that one, I think it was like Anime Network News article, and it's like it's going to be released in Japan and streamed the same day. And I'm like, I'll believe that when I see it. But they were, it, they, it's true. Huh. I wonder if people over there just try to get on American Hulu or something. Yeah. Well, they must, they probably make a ton of money, like just streaming it. Too, yeah. so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's like i just i just read today that uh starting next year like conan o'brien's show is gonna go down to a half an hour because they're making more money with their like youtube channel basically uh, yeah so i guess that's the wave of the future the future! The future! It's funny, I ended up prepping for the the uh, standard episode, and then and then I saw your email a couple hours later, because I had a bunch of sort of chaos this morning myself, and then and then once I saw your email, I was like, oh, okay. And then first I was like, I can't see it. You're lying. I don't see it anywhere. I just see the preview. And then, like, when I scrolled over to the right, I was like, oh, never mind. I see it. I totally see it now. (laughs) And then, yeah, I was like, I was kind of checking Hulu every couple hours, and I'm like, like, uh, I gotta prove I'm not lying. When when did it, when did it finally show up? Because, like, I'm just curious. Like, around one o'clock this afternoon, like, Mm. my time. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so then it would have been... (laughs) <laughs> 11 or 10 my time something like that so what were you like you know like uh i know my car will st- won't start but these guys say it will and then you're like i know gundam the origin isn't on hulu but mike says it is like yeah 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 and i know food tastes good but then it makes me feel bad <laughs> yeah that's cool all right. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I I didn't exactly plan a synopsis, but I figure we'll just kind of wing it or whatever since we yeah, just watched fine. it and stuff. But yeah, and I'm sure it'll be our usual thing. Well, I'm like, yay! This is the last one of these fucking things we have to do. Like, I'm not. I'm not mad. <laughs> I like watching them, but I was just like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like yeah. It's like here's like we finished a series like again. Like yeah, what was the, yeah. The last one we finished was like what like build fighters maybe yeah, entirely. Yeah. So well, I I, I kind of feel like at least with the uh, Thunderbolt stuff, doing them four at a time. Like I I kind of consider it like accomplishment of completing something. So yeah. But yeah, this is another like feather in our cap, I guess. I mean, even even if they do start up a. You know, Gundam House Party new series or whatever. Like <laughs> we we've done this one at least. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Yeah, we can start. See now, I'm I'm trying to like, I'm trying to George Lucas this shit where I'm like kind of thinking of other connections in the series that this this like movie series missed out on making. Like, they could have had Kai been like, you know, like, oh, I'm just FaceTiming with my girlfriend Miharu, like, on <laughs> Earth or whatever. Like, or, you know. Dude, like, they should have had uh, Mirai have, like, a uh, uh, a picture in her pocket of uh, Slegger or whatever, and she could blush over that <laughs> instead. Like, that would have made more sense. 
I knew him before. He was a jerk, and like, but when when he shows up on the ship, we'll act like we didn't. Well, meet, we, meet we never before, met. You know? I just had like a, a a magazine shoot photo of him. He was like the Federation's like sexy pilot of the year or something, and I had like a, a <laughs> magazine photo of him that I would blush at instead of. I just <laughs> I'm trying to think like like I'm I'm trying to like think of Star Wars now. It's gonna be like revealed that like Char built Taro <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> somehow like like Amaro's like, no, I've always had Haro. He was just like dumped off like like on my like I found him on the street and then it's gonna turn out like as a kid, like Casfall built oh, Haro. Casfall, no. oh, that's what like like when they when they they invaded the white base and that soldier tried to shoot Haro like Shar like put the gun down or whatever like <laughs> it's like like Admiral Revel Haro has super fan aura and you will not shoot him down. <laughs> Although I guess Haro can't we didn't discuss it but Haro can't beat a bunch of no, like home no, invaders though. Clearly not. He he went on security perimeter and just got <laughs> kicked to the side like a, a bunch of junk. <laughs> He didn't use those rockets he's always had. Amaro <laughs> like, rocketing all over the place. Firing beam saber out of my head. It's like the reason he when the Xeon invaded the white base, it's like we had to digitally add in a rock in front of Haro so they didn't see him. We had to get rid of all the bowling lanes, because then he would have just rolled out of there. 